0: Publishing a book is a victory, but it's not the end. After you sweep up the confetti and wash the champagne flutes, what's next? Authoring Onward is the podcast about those steps after your first publication, going from published author to having a long-term writing career. And that has no clear endpoints and plenty of ups and downs. But telling stories for the long term is so, so worth it sit back, listen, and together, let's author onward. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Authoring Onward. I'm Connie B. Dowell. And happy Thanksgiving, uh, belated Thanksgiving to those of you listening in the US. Um, That's why we took last week off, and we're back this week. And I hope you all had a lovely Thanksgiving if you celebrate it, or just a lovely time, um, if you don't. And today we are talking to Alan Klein, the author and self-proclaimed jollytologist. Um, now, if you're wondering what's a jollytologist, you will just have to listen to hear Alan explain it for himself. And he talks about many lessons learned through publishing books over over 30 books for a really long time. Um, And so he's seen a lot of different changes in the industry, lots of lessons about persistence um, and about just keeping going for that long. So have a listen to Alan. All right. Well, today on the podcast, Joy and I are talking to Alan Klein. Welcome to the show, Alan. Welcome. Hi,
1: great to be here.
0: Yeah, so glad to have you on to talk today um, about your long years of experience in publishing. Would you like to introduce yourself to um, our listeners and talk a bit about yourself and your work?
1: Well, I call myself a jollytologist. Think of proctologist, and. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i i made that word up because i i um uh, went back to college to to study uh, therapeutic humor and in uh i think it's greek the word is jellos g e l o s but i started to call myself a jellotologist and they <laughs> thought i made that wiggly dessert so i changed it to jollytologist um <laughs> And I studied humor because therapeutic humor fascinated me because I saw it, how it helped me in my own life. Um, My wife died when she was 34, a rare liver disease after knowing it for three years. And we always laughed a lot together. And yes, it was a very difficult time, but we always um, had even during those difficult three years, we, we would find something to laugh about. Give you one example. She had a copy of Playgirl magazine with the male nude centerfold. And she said, Alan, I really like this month. Can you put it on the wall by the bed over there? And I said, <laughs> "Ellen, this is a hospital. <laughs> a little whiskey for that. And she said, maybe you're right. She said, why don't you get a leaf from the plant over there and cover up that part? And <laughs> I did that, and things are fine for the first day. Fine for the second day, but by the third day, the leaves start shriveling up, <laughs> and we would, just, whenever we looked at a leaf for a plant, we would start to laugh. <laughs> and I realized it was only five or ten seconds of laughter, but it helped us to take our mind off of what was happening. It gave us a reprieve. It gave us a perspective, and so I went back to school to learn about therapeutic humor. And uh, I got a master's degree in human, H-U-M-A-N, development. My thesis was The Healing Power of Humor, which turned into my first book. Wow. Oh.
0: Wow. And you have published uh, a great many since then.
1: Right. So, um, you know, I guess what I want to tell your audience is once you have a book published, you never know where it's going to go. You know, uh, I um, uh, just my first book, Healing Power of Humor, that was not the title. (laughs) And I'm very grateful. It's now in a 40 plus printing and 11th foreign language um, edition. But um, it started out as a title was Learning to Laugh When You Feel Like Crying and my I was writing with the editor and she loved what I was doing and she said never change that title that is the New York Times best selling title yeah. learning to laugh when you feel like crying and then she left the company and they assigned me a new editor who wanted everything changed um, they put that book in the i think spring catalog it didn't do i think it's pre-sold 7,500 copies that said that wasn't enough. They pulled the book, they changed it to uh, The Healing Power of Humor, and they put it in the next catalog. And guess what? It pre-sold 7,500 copies. (laughs) (laughs) Would it have sold more? Learning to laugh when you feel like crying? (laughs) I don't know. But too late. I'm very pleased where it is right now and what it's sold and how many people it's helped around the world. So um, mm-hmm. can't go back.
0: Great story. Yeah, great story. And you, yeah, the titles. Um, it, it is hard to know when the book wasn't actually published under that title. But I like the second one better. I think, you do. I think okay. it's yeah. I think it's yeah. shorter and and easier to remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? But the other thing that amazes me when I say you never know what's going to happen. So I had been collecting all of these quotes about humor, laughter, play to put in that Healing Power of Humor book. I didn't use a lot. I still had several hundred left. And I thought that might make a good book. My second book, that might... But I didn't really, you know, it was I was new in the publishing industry. I didn't know what to do. And I went to a meeting where Ogmandino, I don't know if you know that name, but he has millions of books sold. His b- main book was um, The Greatest Salesman in the World. Yeah. sold yeah. like nine nine million copies or something around the world. I don't know. Astronomical. And at the end of the meeting, he said, if you have a book in mind, take this label And it's my publisher's label. If they see a proposal with this label on it, they will look at it and get back to you within two weeks, which in the publishing industry is really quick. It usually takes two to six months to get back. And I did that, and they bought the book. It was Sterling Books. And they published it. Uh, it was out for a year. I don't know. I think they sold 5,000 copies, and then they weren't going to print it again. Tried to get the rights back, could not get the rights back. So I just kind of gave up on it. And then one day, pre-email, pre, pre uh, email, I get a letter saying, congratulations, we sold your book to a division of Random House. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Random House published that book, and they published another book, and it really did really, really well. And so they kept asking me to write more uplifting, inspirational, motivational quotation books. And uh, I think I wrote nine of them for them. Uh, then they took some of them, like three of the books, and they compi- compiled them into another book. And that, that book, I think, was called Winning Words. And it was a hardcover of Big Fat. And that book, like, sold 100,000 copies. And <laughs> so they asked me to do more, more books. So that was like, on a I was a roller coaster. But um, then that division, they closed that division. They were trying to save money. It was cost-cutting. And so here, I got the rights back to all the books. And for a year and a half, I tried to sell the books to other publishers. Nobody wanted them. We don't publish books, you know, from other other, uh, publishers. And I was trying to tell them those books total sold 400,000 copies. No, we don't want it. So I believe that sometimes when you struggle too much, you put out negative energy. Mm. So I stopped putting out notices, letters, emails, trying to get them published. And I took a three by five card and on it I wrote, because I believe in positive energy and putting positive energy out in the world. I wrote, the perfect publisher will find me. I stopped find, trying to struggle to find a publisher, and I thought, let it come to me. If this is right, let it come to me. The perfect publisher will find me, and I put it above my computer. I looked at it every single day, you know, at least eight hours a day, and then I, I went about my business, and I went to a meeting of book publicists, you know, people who publicize authors' books. And I sat down on the aisle and there was a man next to me and he was turned around talking to two women and trying to sell him their book. They were publishers. And I heard them say, we have a very, very successful publishing company, but we're opening a new division and we are looking for uplifting, motivational, (laughs) inspirational quotes And I turned around and I said, I have nine of them that were published by Random House in that category. And this is where these two major kind of miraculous things happen. And they said, okay, here's my card. Send us the books. And I looked at the card and they were like five blocks away from where I lived. (laughs) And I said... I will bring you the books tomorrow morning. And I brought in the books and they start publishing them. And then they got too big. They were Viva editions, too big for their uh, small office near me. So they moved to a big warehouse, had a big party, invited me. And I went in and this woman comes up to me and she says, I'm so glad you're with us uh, as an author. She said, I've known you for 11 years. And I looked at her, she said, you don't know me because I live in London, I don't don't come to the States very often, Uh, and I own this company, and I know you, and I looked, I didn't know her, and I said, I don't know you. She said, well, I used to live across the street from you, and I watch your your dog, walk your dog every single day. Wow. (laughs) I thought, wow, the perfect publisher
2: did find you found
1: me
0: oh amazing Connie isn't that fascinating yeah it really is and um even though there's a, a big element of like luck and happenstance there's also I think some some lessons that folks can take away from this about you know when you're trying something and you've been doing the work maybe letting yourself get less attached and just because you didn't just put that up and like kick up your feet you're still going to those meetings um you're still right. creating the opportunities for luck to happen
1: right and and one of the things i believe in is intention mm-hmm. so i was putting my intention out there to find a publisher and wasn't happening so i was putting my intention out that let the universe support me if this is right for what i'm doing so if you listen as one, I do have a TEDx talk, little plug here, mm-hmm. on the power of intention. <laughs> so because I, I totally believe in that and I, I see it come true in my life over and over again.
2: Well maybe we can put that link yeah. in um in the information, Connie, when we when we release this um this podcast. Yeah. So check. That would be wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have a question
2: about your ups and downs, these swings, and they're not abnormal for a writer, but how did you? uh, You you've explained you know a lot of things, but deep inside these 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 dips, these low places, how did you get yourself through them?
1: Um. Vodka. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You know, I, I guess I have this spiritual thing inside of me that I believe there's a higher power directing me because I also after the reason I think healing power became so popular is I became a professional speaker because I wanted to get my message out after my wife died, how therapeutic humor could really help people get through any kind of situation, loss of job, you know, um, breaking your leg, whatever it is, not getting your raise, uh, you know, bad weather, whatever, it could help you. And so I became a speaker and I, failed, I almost failed speech in college. I hated to get up in front of a group. <laughs> but I I kept thinking there is a higher power that's leading me to do this. You know, I'm not the only one that probably had the idea to write a book about therapeutic humor. You know, um, somehow I was being called on to do this. And I saw when I spoke about it, people told me when they read the book how much it helped them, um, that I needed to continue. So when there were the down moments... I thought, you know, sometimes I would just sit quietly and go, okay, if you want me to do this, you've got to help me. I don't know who you are, (laughs) but you are more powerful than I am. I mean, if I was going to a keynote speech and there were three to 500 people waiting for me to, to speak and my flight was canceled, you know, I would go, nothing I can do about this. You are the one that's got to help me get there. And, you know, in 21 years of speaking professionally, I have never, well, I could say I missed one speech, but there was a blizzard and they canceled the conference. That was the Mm -hmm. only time I did not, and they rescheduled the conference, so I actually got there. But (laughs) I had never missed a speech. Now, I drove three hours in the middle of the night because the flights were canceled to get somewhere. But again, it was like, Help me here, because if you want me to do this, I need help. And so I think, I think some inner thing just kept saying, "Alan, keep going. You're helping people. If you just help one, I always believe if I've helped one person, I've done my job. So I do faith. I, yeah, I don't know what faith. you call it, faith spirituality i don't know something told me keep going yeah
0: Yeah, so that's a very powerful powerful reason to keep keep at it for all these years um if it's not too off topic i wondered if you might speak to how you got started in professional speaking i think a lot of writers even writers of fiction might be interested in that
1: Yeah, I think it's a great way to sell your book. Um, I remember I was speaking at my biggest gig ever, uh, Grand Old Opry uh, Hotel Ballroom, 1500 people. I was so nervous, you know. And so that's the other thing, you know. um, Be nervous and get up and do it anyhow, you know. Yes, it's. You know, Barbara Streisand didn't record a live concert. She did studio ones. A live concert because she was too nervous to get in front of an audience, and maybe she would make a mistake, and she couldn't record over it. Um, so I thought, if Barbara Streisand could get nervous, I could. <laughs> um, so have the fear and do it anyway. And you know, group. The thing about authors speaking in front of a group. Audiences, if they like what you say, they want to take your book home. They want more of you. So it's a great way to sell books. I remember that um, Grand Old Opry uh, presentation. I had brought 75 books, thinking, oh, yeah, that was enough. They sold out within maybe five minutes. I could have sold 175 books. Um, so you sell a lot of books, can sell a lot of books back of the room. Sometimes an organization will buy a book as a gift for everyone in the audience. So even if there's 75 people in the audience, you have just sold 75 books. Um, okay. So it's a great, great way to, you know, and you may not be good at the beginning. I I thought I was terrible at the beginning, you know, Um But um, it caught on. It was a subject people was interested in. Um, Norman Cousins, who wrote Anatomy of an Illness, was talking about healing himself with humor. And so it suddenly, I guess, was a hot topic. I was the right place at the right time.
2: Can you Um, speak um, just briefly about maybe any kind of, we'll say, physiology of humor? What laughing, how laughing, you know, how the humor, even in the face of something negative, is a healing concept.
1: Right. Well, first of all, you you mentioned two words, humor and laughter. And they're really two different things, but Mm -hmm. even I use them interchangeably. So if you ask the researchers, you'll get a whole thesis on (laughs) the difference in what it is. I like to keep things simple. So for me, humor is uh, when you see something funny. So it's kind of an attitude. It's a change of attitude. You see it funny. And then the laughter is the physiological expression of that, seeing that funny, that attitude. (laughs) You do something physical. Right. That's a very simple explanation. So when you're laughing, I mean, when you, when you have humor and you see it funny, you are getting that perspective. Like in a joke, you have the beginning, you know, what do you call a line of rabbits walking backwards? You have a statement, a story, a question, and then you see things differently. What do you call a line of rabbits walking backwards? A receding hairline. <laughs> <laughs> See why I like that joke, right? I'm (laughs) almost totally bald. Uh, So you see things differently. And that's seeing humor is you see your situation differently. I'm stuck in traffic. I find something slightly humorous. I laugh. I see it differently. I get the perspective. And then the laughter, you know, there's all physiological benefits. You take a big breath of air in. You've giving your lungs exercise, you've oxygenated your blood. So there's all kinds of physiological levels of uh, laughter also. So 150 words or less, that's uh, (laughs) uh, humor and laughter. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
2: I know I always feel better after a good laugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It also,
1: yeah, relaxes your muscles, you know, fall (laughs) down laughter. You laugh so hard you can't get out of the chair. You laugh so hard sometimes you pee in your pants. (laughs) (laughs) You can, you relaxes your muscles. Uh, All kinds of good stuff.
2: Yeah, all kinds of good stuff. That's great.
0: Yeah, it's the power of an emotional reset. I mean, that's why even like the most intense like action and horror um, movies and novels will have moments of levity. 'Cause you just got to break it up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and la I think laughter and tears are very close together. You know, they come from a deep well within us, both of those. So very close. And both tears are very helpful too to clean actually science is fine. There are toxins in uh, emotional tears. So we're getting we're cleaning the body out when we're crying so they're both healthy
0: yeah yeah so yeah so it's you know i've had this impressive career in publishing um i imagine you've seen a lot of changes over the years
1: oh my god (laughs) you know when i was writing the healing power of humor uh i have a section in it about humor and death humor and grief and there was nothing i could i Spent weeks and months in the library, nothing. And I finally found one article that was supposedly in the New York Times, and I wanted to read it. And I went to the library. I didn't know, I knew what year. That's all I knew. And so I sat with Microfiche. You guys may not remember Microfiche, or your listeners, it was this, uh, what, plast? like film, Film. that you would put in a machine and you would turn the crank (laughs) and you would get every page of the New York Times for a whole year. I sat there for a week. I went through the whole year and I never found the article. (laughs) I finally found out the author and how to contact the author and and I wrote him and he said, oh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I can send it to you. He said it was supposed to be in the New York Times, but there was some major news story and they cut the article. Mm-hmm. But that, speaking about being an author or a healing power of humor, uh, out, scissor, scotch tape, moving paragraphs around, writing stuff out. Um that now so much easier for a writer, you just write. You don't like where that sentence is or what you wrote, you move it around in two seconds it's done. Research, mm-hmm. you put in a category and you'll get fifteen thousand articles. Uh so mm-hmm. it's very, very, very different.
0: Yeah. Very different. So microfiche, still helpful for historical stuff. Um, Not everything's digitized. But but a lot is becoming. It's lovely. Um, Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So I do want to mention my latest book. It's the, if I can, The Awe, A-W-E Factor. And actually one site, Spiritual and Practical. Hello, Alan. Uh, Spiritualityandpractice.com called it one of the best spiritual books of the year. So it just shows people um, the power of awe. We don't realize. um, You know, you had a great phrase, I think. um, You said something reset. What was that word?
0: Emotional reset.
1: Emotional reset. And awe will do the same thing as humor and laughter. And mm-hmm. maybe that's why I was drawn to write about it's an emotional reset. You 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 see something that awes you. Um, you have a wow experience, which by the way, I've taken the letters A W E awe. And for me, it's a wow experience. A W E. And so, whenever you have that, it's an emotional reset. And again, science is coming out with all these. Um, Positive things about on finding awe and wonder and why we need to do it. Even a physiological uh, one, like it's scientists, and I'm glad they're doing this, say that when you find awe, you have less inflammation in your body. It can help reduce inflammation, which <laughs> for me is amazing. Yeah, um,
2: that is true. That is true.
1: Yeah. So, well, I'm going to have to
2: pick that one up. Yeah. What are you working on now? What's next?
1: Well, uh, I started to, I realized I had so many incredible experiences in my life. So I started to write uh, every week or so. I write a a short story about like things that I think other people might be interested in, like being in the men's room with Robert Redford. (laughs) 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 i won't tell you what happened Uh, (laughs) but it certainly wasn't a time to shake his hand (laughs) um (laughs) uh, stories like that i don't know if it'll be a book you know i'm so far i have 40 stories um i don't know um and the other thing that has come my way is i'm a believer in unity spiritual centers i'm big uh member of that. They're all over the world. And just got an email. They're looking for to publish more books related to unity and their belief, uh, which is part of its positive attitude. And I thought, I've never done a book based on my TED Talk on intention. And so I have the five ways to harness the power of your intention. And I just submitted the proposal to them, related to that theme so that may be my new book may not the one about my life which tentatively is called life matters might be the next book i don't know i don't know (laughs) or this may be it the off factor may be the last one you know
2: i hope not
1: yeah well getting up in years you know it's uh i love writing and so uh I don't, I don't know. You know, again, I'm leaving it up to the universe <laughs> and we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah,
0: Fabulous. Yeah. So that was the theme of today's little chat is that you'll see what happens. <laughs> Something right. interesting, I'm sure.
1: Right. Right. May I leave the audience with one thought?
0: Absolutely.
1: So I don't know how many of your audience will know this show, A Chorus Line, but it's about dancers, young and old dancers. Mm-hmm. And the older dancer is like really frustrated because she can't get jobs anymore. And in one line in the show I love, she says, a dancer dances. And I thought a writer writes, an author writes. And so anyone out there who is struggling, you know, writing or not knowing what they should do, if they're a writer, if they're an author, just keep writing. That's a great story. That is great
2: and great inspiration. I've been in local productions of A Chorus Line multiple times. And I interviewed um, the original actress, Donna McKechnie, Wow. who played Cassie. I interviewed her several years ago for Dancer Magazine. So that show holds a special place in my heart. So I will tell you that I always played Val. You go look that one up.
1: Oh, I know. I saw the show off Broadway at the Public Theater the night before it closed and went to Broadway.
2: Awesome.
1: And Zach, the producer who's yelling at the cast uh-huh. because it was a very small theater, stood right behind us. We had the last row in the small theater, so it was like I was in the show. He was like right there, mm-hmm. and I've seen the show many, many, many times. Also,
2: oh, have I coming and, from a dance um, background? It's one of my. <clears throat> it's one of my. Uh... Wow. (laughs) Wow.
1: So here's an awe moment. Okay. Talking about the awe factor. Who knew when I was going to talk about Chorus Line and a dancer dances or writer writes that you had this close connection to.
2: I am a dancer who
1: writes. Right. Wow. (laughs) Very, you're very talented then. Yeah.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Not about yeah. me. <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just um uh positively touched one of my buttons with a chorus line, so I couldn't mm-hmm. let it go.
1: <laughs> Great, yeah, perfect. Perfect. See, the world is perfect, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a wonderful chat, Alan. And I think our listeners will probably finish up and not look at the next leafy house plant they see the same way again
1: (laughs) right i hope so
0: yeah good one connie yeah so would you like to tell listeners where we can um of course links in the show notes but for those who are maybe just listening along um where they can find you and your books online
1: Well, uh, my website is www.allenkline.com. They've got to spell both names correctly. Mm -hmm. Allen is A-L-L-E-N. Klein is K-L-E-I-N. So, allenkline.com. Any of the major book uh, sites, internet, you know, the big one, Amazon, or any other, Barnes and Nobles put in my name, spell it right. You'll see a book about Alan Klein that's called Alan Klein. That's about the Beatles manager. It's not me. (laughs) Don't buy that book. Buy my my books. But you'll see all of them uh, on those kind of sites.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks again for for coming on and chatting with us. Yes, thank you, Alan. This was delightful. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, it was was actually awesome. Thank you.
2: (laughs) I agree. Very awesome.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and I hope that this episode is going to inspire you to find a little more jolly in your own life. And of course, I have links in the show notes if you want to find out more about Alan, his books and everything that he does. And of course, I also have links in the show notes if you want to reach out to either me or Joy for some editing or author coaching. Until next week, when we'll be back in your earbuds, speakers, headphones, however it is you're listening to this, Happy writing.